Aloha and welcome. You're listening to Soul Dancer, the author of Pay Me What I'm Worth and your host for this show. I look forward to diving into yet another show where we explore the many different facets of worth. I highly encourage you to also remember there are tons of on-demand shows. All you need to do is click to blogtalkradio.com forward slash pay me what I am worth and listen to the on-demand shows. We've got over four years worth of shows now stacked up for your enjoyment. And now let's dive into our next show. Hi, this is Patty Anderson from Baraboo, Wisconsin. I recently was on a call with Soul, and I am giving him my complete permission to share this call because I believe it will help you in your journey in discovering the person that you are looking to become. I believe that it will help you search and find any blocks that you have and levels of reaching your success and changes in life. And I just believe that this journey will be a great journey for myself and for you to join us on and make this the best year of your life that you've ever experienced. Enjoy eavesdropping. Patty and I were talking about the challenges and the um, crap that you experience as a child that you pick up from your environment, whether it be your parents or otherwise. You kind of bring it into your adulthood, and as you grow, it continues to just fester and it becomes a block that you have in your life no matter what you're pursuing, personally, professionally, business, it's still there. So can you kind of speak to, as we go through this journey, how it will help Patty move that block from her life and help her move forward in business? Ah, good question. Good question. Thank you. We're taught with the best intentions by our parents and our grandparents. We absorb something in our life that we don't question. Yeah? Yep. 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 We don't even think to question it because it was introduced into our consciousness at such an early age that we just hardwired it, kind of like what you were saying earlier, Christina. It could be a block you're not even aware of, right? Sure. And then once you become aware of it, you're just so overwhelmed that you're not even sure what step to take to to get past it. So let's start at the bare bone ground floor level. Question for both of you. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being poor, you suck at it, you hate it, 10 being you love it, you you look forward to it. So on a scale of 1 to 10, I want you to rank yourself or score yourselves on two different levels. And this score is overall. I mean, when you look down memory lane, when you take a big wide-angle view of life, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rank yourself with the ability to give. I'm going to go at an eight because I love giving. I absolutely love giving. Okay. So, Patty, you're an eight. Christina? I'd say I'm about an eight, too. Okay. So it's very easy for you to give. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's flip it. Same scoring system, one to ten. Your ability to receive. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. (laughs) I'm actually taking a look at myself. I'm going to go maybe one and a half. I don't like people to give to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is why we are sisters from another mister. (laughs) (laughs) I am so horrible. I just had a discussion with another friend not even three days ago about how bad I am at receiving. So what's your score, Christina? I'd say I'm a one. 
Okay. The journey I'm going to take you on is split between receiving and giving. The first six months of our journey together is going to be focused on your ability to receive. And then the second half of our journey is focused on your ability to give. Why do you think I focus on receiving first? What did, just before I tip the scales, why do you think I focus on receiving first? Because ultimately, how do you give that which you can't receive? Because there's a level of disconnect, maybe even disrespect in, in some way. So how, how do you give it fully? You're really warm. You're really warm. Patty, your thoughts? I was going to hit pretty well on the same thing. My question, I turned it more into a question, well, how can you be able to give so much of you if you're not willing to receive in return? Yeah, because then you're ultimately you're depleting your tank. Right. And so you don't have a resource to, to, to give from. You're draining, 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 and not feeling, feeling, feeling. What's drilled into our Western minds from a very early age? What's drilled in our minds? Um, pounded okay. into us. What is drilled into us? There's an old phrase. It is better to give than to receive. Give than to receive. Do you recall how young you were when you heard that? <laughs> yeah. Gosh. God. <laughs> I don't even know how young I was, but I remember being very, very young. Because you're also taught to respect your elders. Right, right. And I always remember hearing that from like a grandparent or a great aunt or something like that. The next level of respect is always no matter what when you're in church. Like, <laughs> you got to respect that. And that's another place where I remember hearing it's better to give than, re- than to receive. Wow, I don't think I even recognized that one. What do you think, Patty? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, and and like me, my dad's number one thing. I mean, for our discussion, one of his number one things to say were, "I'm a child. I'm meant to be seen, not heard. My opinion does not matter." So from early on, you were taught that it's valuable to be invisible. Yep, yep. And one of the ways that you became visible was by receiving. 9 out of 10, some sort of material item, a gift, recognition of some type, some status, an allowance. Early on in life, one way that you would shed that invisibility is you had something to show, right? Right, right. And very so honestly, first... I really did not allow myself to really be acknowledged or become visible until I actually received one of my first rewards at a job. I was at where I was awarded the employee and quarter of the and manager of the quarter. So it's like I carried this through my whole life. I kinda just stay in the background, stay in the back lines. Even now, in webinars and things like that, I don't allow myself to come out and speak and be seen. I just kinda sit back and take it all in. So our first three months together, you're gonna to find your cages rattled. Because the first thing I I want you to take a solid look at is your physical world. Because more often than not, our species, we're apt, we're prone, we're taught to judge what? Stuff we can see, stuff Stuff we can hear, stuff we can see. Right? 
Mm-hmm. What are you wearing? Where do you live? Who are you being seen with? Right, what right. type of car do you drive? Right? Right. Do you have any childhood memories of feeling ashamed because of something you either wore or where you lived or what was in your lunch or what was not in your lunch? <laughs> Almost every day. It's interesting that you say you wow. said ashamed is like that's something that most people probably do identify with. I'm not really sure that I identify with shame as much as I do resentment. And this was an aha moment that I had a couple months ago. Growing up in the South, very prejudiced environment, I resented the hell out of the experiences that I had as a, as a child. And one of the things that really I resented was my grandmother worked for the richest families in the town. She basically raised their children and cleaned their home, just like what you see in all of the slave movies. I remember one particular morning, and I was quite popular in high school. I was student congress president, star athlete, very popular person. I still had that resentment because literally I was, I guess, from the other side of the tracks, if you will. And so I remember one morning, one of the kids from one of the rich families came up to me and he was like, Man, your grandmother made the best breakfast this morning. Oh, my God, I'm so sick. Like, my stomach's popping out, blah, blah, blah. And in that very moment, I resented. I had so much resentment because I realized that I hadn't had my grandmother's cooking in months because she was always at work, or I hadn't spent a Saturday morning, because that's usually when she would cook for us, with my grandmother in months. And I associated that resentment. And, I, and it's carried through to me. And for me, asking for a sale in business, I revert back to that feeling of, like, I have to depend on somebody else, and I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Four of the most coercive, corrosive items we have regarding our sense of worth is doubt, guilt, shame, and worry. Would you say that's an accurate statement? Absolutely. Christina? Yeah, I told me. I agree. Doubt, guilt, shame, and worry are planted in us before we're even conscious of it being planted in us. The way that we associate love could be attached to doubt, guilt, shame, and worry. And we don't know any better. If our, for example, I was born and raised in a household, I was completely unaware of it, where control, real control, tight control was pervasive. I didn't know that until I believe 30, 35 years old when I had a nice chat with my eldest sister. She is in her 70s now and I really didn't know her and I figured I really need to to know my sister and I remember having these conversations and she was she opened my eyes to how I had attached the concept of love to control and how corrosive that was. And it was part of the work that's in Pay Me What I'm Worth is for me to gently but decisively wiggle some awareness around what got planted. For example, I don't know if you two have ever had a garden or a lawn where you go out and weed stuff. Have you ever done that? Yes, yes, I love gardening. Yeah, no, what well, you know as a gardener, if you just 
snap off the top of the weed, it's going to come back, right? Right. You've got to dig it out from the roots. The first half of our journey together, not only am I going to look at what's planted, but what are the roots? What type of weeding do we need to do so that your garden is weed-free of doubt, guilt, shame, and worry? Wow. We do that by stepping out first, the physical world. Uh, after we get our ground rules together, our first month together is really creating the safe space, having a robust dialogue around what is it going to take for you to be okay to risk. And as a group, as a team, we're going to draw up. I'm not talking about a seer-sized catalog contract. I'm just talking about some general ideas. What are the ground rules? Who are you? What are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with? What are the ground rules? So we set the stage. We create the safe space. Once we get that safe space settled, I'm going to ask you to make commitments to this journey. You form the commitments so that there's some structure to it. With those commitments in place, we start out very tangible. We start out with the concrete world. Touch it, taste it, see it, smell it. It has to be concrete. It's not woo-woo, esoteric stuff that's out there. And my primary concern is for you to be aware of what does your material world mean to you? Because your material world forms part of your foundation of your sense of worth. True? Very true. Absolutely. So as we begin our journey together, I encourage you to take a solid fresh, updated look at your stuff and become intimately aware of your feelings around things because once we finally have a fresh look at your stuff, your physical stuff, it's time to dig into the non-tangible stuff, skills. And in our third month, you're going to risk asking people questions about yourself. Pat, do you know what a Venn diagram is? Think of two paper plates, two circles overlapping. Okay. One of those paper plates is your conscious awareness of the skills you think you have. Okay? Okay. I'm actually writing it and drawing it as you say it. (laughs) Okay. The second paper plate is the skills Christina thinks you have or Hmm. other people think you have. Okay. Where those two plates overlap is where your core worth lies. So, for example, Christina, let's say you tell me that you're an awesome chef. Everyone adores your cooking. And because I've never tasted anything you've cooked, I've only heard people talk about your cooking, I cannot attest to the fact that you have the skill of cooking. So I do not assign the skill of cooking to you. Even though everyone you know and love says that you're a fantastic cook, I can't assign that skill to you. So that is not overlapping in my paper plate and your paper plate. Follow? Mm-hmm. One of the areas that we really dredge up childhood stuff and teenage stuff and high school stuff and so forth and so on is when you begin to realize you purposefully stuffed your skills for fear of being labeled something. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Kids do that all the time. Their friends are not part of the the advanced classes, and they'll play down so that they don't get in the special advanced classes or something like that. You don't want to be too smart. You don't want to be too this. You don't want to be too that. So what do you do? You dumb yourself down, don't you? 
Daddy, have you ever had a situation where you've buried something and buried it for so long, and whatever it is that's been buried is just saying, I, I can't be buried anymore, and it just creates havoc in your life until you acknowledge it? Um, yeah, and I think that's a lot of what's going on right now. The inner me really wants to kind of explode. Well, I, I, I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. So, things that I have buried, the, oh, the yeah. real wanting of being the person I've always wanted to be is just, it's tired of being hidden and buried. In months three and four, you're going to have your shovel, and you're going to be shoveling and unearthing like you will not soon forget. <laughs> We do it in a way where there is a pride, but the pride is not narcissistic. There's not a pathology around it. You're exploding. You love it. It, is, it. You light up the room with it. And part of our journey that I'm consciously going to remind you on is anybody who knows you, your partners, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, we're going to have to be mindful that as you change, they are going to have to change with you. Hmm. How does that make you feel, Patty? Does that make you feel like anxious or anything? Um, actually, makes me feel kind of excited. I've lived in this shell since I was a child, and I know it's part of what keeps me from reaching the levels of success. It keeps me from reaching out, building new relationships. It keeps me just from people in general. How do you think you will respond in this awakening, in this journey, get to a place where a relationship that has been so paramount and so core in your life, you recognize really it it has run its course, not that there's no longer any love or that you no longer want to be a part of their lives, but that it just is not going to be able to continue to play as significant a role. Understanding that that could be someone that you love dearly. It might not just be a relationship that you already think is somewhat toxic, but like a really good relationship that you have right now, like how do you think you'll respond if you recognize it's plateaued? Honestly, Christina, with the exception of my daughter and my children, my grandchildren, my pastors, I've really distanced myself from people. It has a lot to do with my upbringing, the trust, the things that happened to me as a child, that I really don't allow myself to connect with people. Even at work, I'll have my working relationships, but I won't allow myself to have friendships. I'm a person that has built up so many walls and has such a hard shell to break that I pretty well, I keep to myself. I go to work, I come home, I go to church, I go to the store. I'm with my grandkids and my granddaughters and my daughter, my sons once in a while, and, and that's my life. It's more a matter of me being able to grow and break these walls and be able to see people for the awesome people that they are, not my past, not the people that are going to abuse me and hurt me and use me and know that there are good, loving people out there that I can actually build true friendships with, like you and I are doing. For some reason that there's a trust that I have around you that I don't allow myself to have around people that I'm surrounded with every day. Mm-hmm. Similarly, you know, I have the same experience. I have good friends, I guess, intuitively recognized several, several years ago, probably close to a decade ago, that 
those friends, those relationships were not the relationships that were going to even inspire me to reach to that better me. To, as mm-hmm. Lisa Nichols said on a conference call yesterday, to, to get on my tippy toes and reach further. Um, and I knew that. I love them. They're great people, and they do wonderful things in our community. They still have a, a roof on their vision, on their willingness to grow. I know I can't allow myself to get locked into or I will never reach the levels that I should be reaching and what I feel that God wants me to serve in this world. Right, right. Mine stems from simply because of things that have happened to me. Mine stems from simply being able to really trust people and see that there are good people out there. (laughs) My world has been encircled around the abuse, the using, the taking advantage of the, okay, well, you're okay for this, but when I'm done with you, you're not okay. I'm flushing you down the toilet. That's been my world. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy how we have the same end, the same emotion. We've got different experiences that have brought us to that, but, yeah, yeah. I can totally yeah. resonate with that disappointment in people. That's yet another reason that I've sort of distanced myself because right. – develop expectations, and and so it's easier just not to have an expectation or a desire or a hope for a relationship than it is to give all of that and it, and it just be like, ah, oh, poof, gone in, a, in an instant. I don't share this type of stuff. I keep everything to me. So I've obviously reached that point in my life to where, okay, God is bringing me to the point where, okay, it's time to break these chains because that's what it is, been bounded up, and it's just time to break free. I don't want to continue life like this, and I know it's part of what's held me back in life because I won't take that step out, out of fear, out of remembering everything that's happened to me, out of hearing my dad in the back end, You're never going to be anything. Nobody's ever going to listen to you. You're just going to be this and this and this. And I grew up believing it, and that's how I've conducted my life. But I can see it. For some reason, I can see it. And I want that change so bad I can taste it. Well, how does that old cliche go? There are no accidents? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. There's a reason for this, and I'm just going to let it flow. I once challenged one of my teachers, the old, another old day of when the student is ready, the teacher will come. We've heard that before, yeah? Amen. Yep. <laughs> Here's the teacher. I flipped it. I said, you know, from the teacher's standpoint, I have this notion that when the teacher is ready, the student will come. Hmm. I firmly believe that teaching is the best way to learn. Mm-hmm. And so, Patty, when I hear you say you're ready to bust loose, I'm very excited because as you go through this journey with us, you will be gently challenged to teach people what you're learning so they can keep up with you. Cool. And somehow I feel ready for That's why to me it's really important that people who are coming along on this journey, that they invite one or two people that they hold near and dear and take the journey with them because for one perspective, there will be places that only they know you like to hide. I won't know where you like to hide, but they will. 
and they'll call you on it. <laughs> and so, and you, of course, turn about as fair play. You know those little bits and pieces about them where if they like to hide under a certain rock or hide behind a certain illusion or whatever, I won't know that because I don't know that person. Right, right. And even though we're only going to meet once a week for an hour via conference call, I'm going to challenge Christina. You can do as much collective work as you want. I mean, the more you put into this journey, the more ripe it becomes. For me, this is actually the beginning of a breaking point. Okay. You're ready to let go. Yes. So in the first half of our time together, where we're focusing on receiving, let me give you the illustration or the visualization of, let's say you're in a big party. You're in a big room. You're in a big party. You're the reason why the party's happening. Everybody is circling around you. The room is packed. Nobody else can come in that room unless somebody leaves. So in this first half of our journey together, I begin to help you look at who do you really want in the room? (laughs) Do you need to make room for other people, starting with yourself? That trust issue with yourself is so key to all of this. As we begin to recognize how many different ways we've blocked receiving based on our material world, based on our perceptions of ourself. In our fifth month, I take you down what I call a worth timeline. The fifth month is a very powerful, powerful month. In that month, you're actually going to create a timeline of your life. And you're going to chart out eight different perspectives. So imagine getting out a roll of wrapping paper, flipping it on its backside so that it's clear, and you've got this six-foot-long piece of blank paper in front of you. Over the fifth month, that six-foot-long piece of paper is going to turn into your life on eight different levels. And when you stand back at that piece of paper, what naturally happens, it's much like being able to climb up to the mountaintop and look down into the village. Possibly for the first time in your life, all the crazy stuff that's going on in your head, all the committees, the perfectionist, the control freak, the judge, all of the different voices happening in your head have had a chance to have their say, and you're charting it, and you're putting it on this this timeline. What will happen in that month is you begin to recognize patterns and themes you are completely unaware of. I don't know about you, but when I recognize a pattern in myself that has been sabotaging me and I finally come conscious of it, that's a breakthrough moment. Yeah, that is. For me, more importantly, is that not only it's the coming conscious of it, but it is the now I have had a mindset shift of now that I'm conscious of it, like Mark Angelou says, when you know better, you do better, right? So I have a responsibility now to actually not put my head in the sand, but to address it. And that I give myself permission to go on a journey with it. Don't absolutely have to get the answer right now. 
just merely acknowledging that this is present and now I have to become more cognizant of it seems to sort of open up to answers the universe being served up, right? Part of my role in your journey, I'm actually a monk in three different orders and a social worker at the master's level. Part of my role is to very gently, constantly drip into the process and awareness that as we become more awake and aware, we can challenge ourselves to become more unconditionally loving. As that unconditional loving aroma, water, sauce, drips into our journey, the first half of our journey where we're learning how to receive, we get to a point to where we are so ready to receive an awareness that we're unconditionally, constantly, forever, eternally loved, that any time I have the illusion that I'm no longer loved, that illusion is being created by myself because that which we come from loves us dearly, unconditionally. We now can shift into the second half of our journey on how to give with even more abandon than ever thought possible. (laughs) About month seven, everyone who knows you will most likely be flummoxed. They will look at you like, I thought I knew you, but what is going on? (laughs) They're going to be delighted with your energy. They're going to be delighted with this feeling of love from you, this feeling of confidence from you. It's unshakable. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Once we begin to balance, remember your two base scores that you shared at the top of the call? between how mm-hmm. you scored yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 on giving and receiving? Remember your scores? Yes. How different okay. they were? Mm-hmm. By this stage of the game, by month 6 and 7, those two scores better start balancing out. Patty, what were you thinking when you said that? Like, what was your initial thought? Blossoming like a flower. Just wow. <laughs> yes. You know what I thought about? I exhaled. Cause it seemed good. Just, just you saying that was so liberating. It was like, oh, my sense of relief. Yeah, a relief. Your ability to give without any concern, your ability to give will be based on an awareness that you are perpetually abundant in everything. There is no cup that's being half full or half empty. You are a vessel that has tapped into a stream of abundance that when people encounter you, they will most likely doubt you because they are so far behind the curve. They haven't taken the journey that you've just taken. They'll doubt you. Your ability to give and not feel drained, your ability to give without any strings attached, your ability to give in a way that is so genuine in gratitude dynamically shifts you that when you're asked the question, are you paid what you're worth, there's a twinkle in your eye and an instant yes at such a profound level that it will shock people. 
Where do I look to that day? I'm conscious of what I'm saying and how some of it might sound rather grand. I'm very conscious of that. It's not my job to control how you interpret things. I'm sharing with you based on what I've experienced in people over the past eight years. Mm-hmm. And I've had people who took this journey with me the very first year this book was published. And they've commented how they have decided to take the journey over and over and over again. And it c- continues to shock them how much more they get out of this process. From a team-building standpoint, from a business-building standpoint, as you become a brighter essence of who you are, your confidence, your self-esteem, your vision, your clarity, your direction, as these things get harmonized, that is the sauce to attracting people in ways you didn't even know you had. Hmm. Deep breath. <laughs> some deep breaths. I can feel the gears turning. Yeah. Thoughts, concerns. <laughs> you know, for once I can honestly say, I don't really have concerns, but I'm looking forward to the transformation. Patty, you're scared me today. Like What's you're that? like so in my head. You're scaring me today. It's like you're so, everything you say is exactly what I'm thinking in the moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I just. No, I really don't have concerns. I, it, this must be a point in my life that I'm ready for, that I have searched for for so long, that I'm just excited to take this journey, watch the growth, and see the new me come about. Patty, may I be bold and offer a homework assignment? Absolutely. Starting now, in whatever form it feels comfortable for you, let everybody you know that you're about to take a journey. Give them a heads up. Okay. Let them know. You don't know what the journey is going to be. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how it's going to unfold. But you are consciously taking steps to make positive changes in your life. And the reason why you're sharing this with them is because it's critical that because you love them, you care for them, or whatever feels appropriate for you, whoever you're talking with, you're sharing it with them because you're giving them a warning shot over the bow. <laughs> <laughs> Christina, you have a maximum of 10 people for your group, right? Right. But once those 10 seats are filled, then that wonderful 212 price changes. <laughs> Yeah, I was amazed when she said, when I first got on the website, it was like 149 or something a month, and, I'd, and that's when I reached out to her, and I said, so this is monthly, right? And she goes, no, it's only 212 and I'm like, what? He's not charging thousands for this? Patty, anybody who wants to build their business, I want to do team training. The price for this training per person will be actually 1199 Well? You're helping <laughs> Christina fulfill her eleven ninety nine. As soon as Christina fulfills that, whatever she earns above that is hers to keep. Part of my methodology is I want to pay people to learn. That ties into brilliant ethical network marketing that Soul is, is working on. You and I have talked about network marketing and, and, and 
our feelings, the ickiness feeling that we've had and the bad experiences that we've had, that was yet another thing that made me attracted to soul is the desire to make this entrepreneurship and, and network marketing more ethical so that you don't walk away feeling icky and more importantly so that you don't continue to perpetuate the things that we're taught that unknowingly we do to make other people feel icky. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, Patty, if you're aware of other people who you think would want to build a team, Basically, what happens then is Christina is your team lead. You become the Christina for the team that you build, and we bring everybody along for the ride. I can think of two right offhand. And they don't necessarily have to be entrepreneurs, right, Paul? Right, right. Anybody ready to make life changes? I mean, this is perfect for couples. You know, actually, I think a lot of the things that we've discussed in this even me sharing some of my personal things and Christina, I think it, it's going to open a lot of people's hearts and eyes to see, hey, you know what? I can identify with them. I know what they're saying because this is yeah. the world I live in. Absolutely. So I'll wrap up with this notion. One of my end products of your journey, at the end of every month, I'm going to ask you to write up a one-page summary of what happened. And 9 out of 10, it'll mean you end up writing 4 or 5 or 6 or 7 pages, but boil it down to that famous one sheet, right? Okay. Okay. At the end of your journey, you have created a document that's 12 pages long, and I call that your worth passport. And your worth passport is meant to be a date and time stamp of your sense of worth And it's an organic document. It's meant to help you continue be mindful of where are you on your journey of your sense of worth on 10 different levels. So you have a product that will be, you can take forward with you. Like not only is this a journey of our personal awareness and shift, right, but the way that we then how this contributes to our business is clearly, obviously, the things that hold us back personally in our business. We will begin to make shift and move things through amazing things, which will obviously show in our business and the growth of our personal businesses. But right. then we are able to carry it forward and pay it forward because as we are building our businesses and we are building teams, then we will be able to basically help others go through this transition as well and we will be able to start to infuse that ethics in the industry that we so desire. So slowly but surely, one step at a time, one person at a time, we will be able to affect it positively. I don't even know where that came from, so. <laughs> well, it's because you're siphoning my brain. Get out of it. You accuse me of being in your mind now. <laughs> Amazing. For people who are struggling financially, PayPal does offer financing, six months free of financing, so there is that option. That is true, yes. Yes, that is very true. I'm mindful of the fact that uh, you've been very gracious with your time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate the time you've taken. This. I tell you what, I'm going to go into work today with, instead of this dreadful attitude, this attitude that, no, I'm on a new journey and everything's about to change. Thank you so much. Thank you. Christina, thank you so much for introducing me to Patty. This is going to be a blast. This is going to yes, it will be. <laughs> love it. Well, I love you, girl. Uh, we'll be in touch.
I hope you've enjoyed this discussion. We often don't realize how much our perception of self-worth affects us being able to give or receive. We'll be exploring the root of this. We do have limited spots available and have several inquiries about the training. So I encourage you to make the decision to secure your spot now. So go to bit.ly forward slash Irvin01 to get more information. We're starting on Saturday, March the 7th. So hurry on over and lock in your spot. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to hearing from you. You are also welcome to come visit my site at pay411.co. Again, the word pay, the numbers 411, pay411.co, not You can come out to the site and poke around and download some free stuff as well. And once again, a reminder, please do listen to any of the on-demand shows to dive into our archives. Every single show that we've done has information to help you learn how to be paid what you're worth with ease and grace. And of course, I look forward to seeing you in class. We start classes every week, so no matter where you are at in your journey with Pay Me What I'm Worth, you're fully supported. I look forward to meeting you. Aloha. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.